It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. The show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, whatever you like, or maybe you're a commuter and you don't want to be looking at your phone when you're trying to find your favorite podcast. You can just ask your smart device, like Siri, Alexa, Google Home, whatever you have, play podcast Locked on Vikings, and it should take you right to the most recent episode. And today I kind of want to continue the Everson Griffin conversation because, you know, we talked a lot about what his situation was yesterday, but we didn't really talk about what happens if he does go to Atlanta or Seattle or whatever. Where do the Vikings go from here? And to be honest, the Vikings have a lot of potential turnover on their defensive line, and they could be bringing in new faces. So who's out there? What are the options? Let's get into it. And that's going to be the main topic of the day. But first, the Viking of the day, and since it's a defensive line-themed day, the Viking of the day is a purple people eater, Carl Eller. And I wanted to talk about Carl Eller because it is still Black History Month, and I think his place in the the world of, like, veteran leadership and of, you know, the leadership among retired players is important and worth highlighting. Of course, he has a legacy as one of the Purple People leaders, you know, one of the, the best defensive linemen to ever play the game and a Ring of Honor and a Hall of Famer and, and all of that stuff. And I could go over his career and stuff, but you know that story. And I think what's most interesting is what he's done after his time in the league and how he's kind of been a thorn in the NFL's side. And in a world where we're going through, I mean, all of the sports community is kind of going through like a labor politics argument, Carl Eller is an interesting figure to look at because he very often is a leading voice, especially for, you know, the retired players and the guys who, as he puts it, you know, built the game from the ground up. In 2011, when, uh, you know, the league and the the Players Association signed that CBA to end the lockout that was going on, Carl Eller was one of the leading voices saying that, you know, complaining about the deal that was made. And his gripe was about veterans' health benefits in a world where, you know, CTE and the the repeated traumas, not only on the head, but uh, everywhere on the body. I mean, guys are old and decrepit, and, you know, you had guys like McTingle, Hoff that we're dealing with issues. You had guys like, you know, Matt Blair and plenty of others outside of the Vikings organization. And of course, you know, that was the time a few years later, all the Aaron Hernandez stuff went down. And there's, of course, the role that CTE plays in that. So his point kind of bore out, but essentially saying that, listen, this game is violent and it breaks down all of our bodies. And the NFL kind of has an obligation since they made money off of the destruction of our bodies to take care of those bodies once we've we've played our time. Or at least that was his argument. And so when the CBA was signed in 2011 without much provision to that at all, he was furious and he was somebody taking legal action. He had a couple of other moments that kind of broke as scandals, but then became these like moments of 
you know, like civil leadership almost. He had a, a reckless driving incident where he almost hit a squad car back in, I want to say it was like 2008, and he ends up getting arrested. It ends up being this kind of the whole thing where he, the, the police said that he was combative and that he, you know, fought back. And then it turned out that they had like hit him with a flashlight a few times. And it's a very, he said, she said situation. And I don't know how many people would like go to court after that for, I mean, it would like take on the police in court and, and like understanding how long those odds are. But Carl Eller, the way that he has approached everything is really as a fighter, as a person who, even if the odds are a million to one, he is going to go to bat for his own pride for, you know, what he thinks is right. And there's something so beautiful and admirable about, admirable about that. Even if you don't agree with me, or if you don't, you don't agree with him about what the players deserve or, you know, about, how the police treated him and how they treat people like him all the time. I think that there's something to be said about appreciating who he is and how he's used his platform and his voice and the legacy that he built on the field to affect positive change off of it. There's something really special about that. Even if you don't agree with the change he's trying to affect, you have to admire that he's somebody with principles and he's somebody that doesn't just sit at home and think about them. He's somebody that does something and takes on a lot of really scary opponents like the NFL and the police in systems that are stacked against him. There's something about that that just resonates really deeply with me, and I think it's worth appreciating just as much as it's worth appreciating, you know, all the sacks he got in the 60s and 70s. Moving on, though, let's talk a little bit about the current defensive line and how it is kind of in flux, right? Uh, Everson Griffin is slated to hit free agency. Linval Joseph is a possible cut candidate. I have... Uh, pitched Shamar Stefan as a possible cut candidate, and that's three of the four starters on the line from the 2019 season. I don't think the Vikings are going to cut Shamar Stefan. I would if I were in the driver's seat, but I don't think that they will. I think Mike Zimmer's a lot higher on him than I am, and I I do understand that. But if they cut older Linval Joseph for cap space and let Everson Griffin go somewhere else, you know, take the compensatory pick or whatever, then that might end uh, up with the Vikings having a little bit of extra money to spend on the defensive line, and they might end up in the market for defensive linemen, and it is kind of a crazy one. There's quite a few edge rushers every year, uh, but there's quite a few defensive tackles this year. It's actually a really good year to be looking for a a free agent defensive tackle. Uh, There's a lot of saturation and, you know, basic economics, right? When there is more supply, the price goes down. When there's more of something, it's, uh, you know, easier to, to get some of it. And the Vikings could definitely get their piece, however big they want that piece to be. So we'll kind of go over this in the same way that we talked about uh, quarterback. There's a few different situations that are worth talking about. And there are some players who make more sense in one situation than the other, right? There's the situation where you let Everson Griffin walk and you say, okay, we saved $13.1 million and we're going to go put all of it and maybe an extra couple million into it. And we're going to go try to get a premier guy. We're going to make a run at, you know, Yannick Ngakwe or, or one of the Jadeveon clown. Like, let's make a run at it. Let's see if we can we can't get an offer that that makes sense, and we'll, we're going to throw the house at him. And there's also the situation where they say, yeah, maybe not. We'll back off of that, and we'll just go get one of these 31 year old Mike Daniels types to uh, you know go bridge the gap while we go develop some of our younger talent. And that's more Vikingsy move, or maybe they just go get somebody who is of a Shamar Stefan skill level, who is kind of a discount, a budget option to go compete with the current younger talent, and you know kind of expecting those guys to come and start. 
start, and a lot of it comes down to what they think of guys like Ifadio Denebo and Armin Watts. I'm pretty high on those guys. I don't know if the Vikings are as high on them, and of course they have more information, and they're probably going to act according to what they think of those. If they think Armin Watts can be a starter, then they're not going to spend a whole bunch of money on getting a starting quality nose tackle, right? They'll just get somebody to compete with him in training camp and kind of make him earn the job. So we'll start with Ed Rusher here uh, in just a second, and I've got a list of names here in front of me, and I'll kind of go over the guys who are too expensive, the guys who are old, and that's why they get a discount, and so on and so forth. I kind of got them broken down into categories, and we'll get into that, and then we'll go into the defensive tackles as well. But first, a quick word about advertising. You hear the ads we do on this show all the time, especially during the season, and this ad space is open for you to make a run at yourselves. So if you have a, a local business, somebody who, uh, if you're somebody who is trying to get the type of customers who would listen to a Minnesota Vikings podcast, you know, local fans love to support local businesses. And, you know, you know how much pride we Minnesotans have. So if you're looking to tap into that and you want to advertise on this podcast, that is open. That is a possibility. If you text advertising, the word advertising, to 33777, or you can go to lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising, tell us who you are, tell us a little bit about what you do, and we'll get you set up for advertising success on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's advertising, text it to 33777, or just go to lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Locked On Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. All right, so with edge rushers, I don't think the Vikings are going to be one of those teams. I mean, they've never been the team that goes out and goes for the, you know, the big home run free agent signing uh, contract. They're not going to be the guys who try to land the big fish of Jadeveon Clowney. That's just never been their MO. And I think there's a few people that kind of fall in that category that are just a little bit too rich for our blood. And considering the depth that they have, and they've been vocal about how they're happy with the depth that they have, and I think that's code for saying, we think Afadio Denebo might actually be that guy. They aren't really going to feel too much of a need to go out and, you know, get a, an anointed starter that nobody can ever compete with. They might want to give the younger guy a chance. And so some people that I think can just be like crossed off of that list, uh, in, in addition to Jadavion Clowney, I think uh, Shaq Barrett, Yannick Ngakwe, Eric Armstead, Dante Fowler, and even Matthew Judon all are kind of too expensive for the Vikings' blood. So here's the thing. You saved $13.1 million with uh, Everson Griffin. You could save like 10 ish million uh, with Linval Joseph. But just with Everson Griffin, if you could replace Everson Griffin and his veteran presence with a, a similarly experienced veteran that can help bring the young guys along, and you could do it for 
four, five, six million, kind of get one of those guys who nobody else is looking for in that like second wave of free agency. And then you can say, if you got a guy for five million, that's eight million dollars you've saved on the position that now you can go apply to, you know, uh, re-signing Anthony Harris or getting a guard or, you know, whatever you think is important. And so what you're looking for here is a discount, but it's difficult to find a discount that doesn't also accompany, you know, a player who is worse, right? They're usually cheaper for a reason, and you don't want to go, like, bargain bin, right? There's a difference between trying to find a discount, trying to find a deal, and trying to find some bargain bin clearance sale stuff, you know? We're looking for stuff that's otherwise good, but just happens to be on sale. That's the kind of shopping you got to do. So guys that I think, somebody that I think might be on sale a little bit is Robert Quinn. He's a little old, he's a little bit expensive, but I I think that, uh, I mean, he's not like ancient, right? He's still got plenty of gas in the tank, and that's why I don't think he's quite cheap enough for the Vikings blood, but that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Somebody like uh, Adrian Claiborne or Vinnie Curry, both of those guys are on the wrong side of 30, and that might cause them to be discounted. Jason Pierre-Paul, I think, falls in this. Uh, Michael Bennett falls in this category, and what I like about Michael Bennett in terms of edge rusher is that he can also move inside, and so you can do some versatile, interesting things. Of course, the Vikings just brought in Dom Capers, and what Dom Capers is going to do is give them a whole bunch of new weird fronts to rush out of, and to take full advantage of that, you need versatile rushers. That's why Afadio Denebo is actually a pretty good tool, because he can go inside and rush from there. And, you know, we saw in the playoffs that Daniel Hunter is capable of this kind of thing. And, you know, you can do twists and stunts and stuff with them, and you can line them up in weird spots, and that gives Mike Zimmer and Dom Capers a lot of interesting tools to work with. And I think Michael Bennett also, like, adds to that and gives you even more flexibility. I would really love for the Vikings to take a run at Michael Bennett. I think he would come very cheaply, and I think he would give you, like, very nice vocal leadership. I'm a big fan of the way that Michael Bennett leads the teams that he's on, and the passion with which he does it. And I think he'd be a really, really good fit here. I, I would love that. And I think he would come at a price that that's right. But I think any of those old guys, like it kind of makes sense, right? Bring bring in an Adrian Claiborne to bring a Fadi Odenabo along. And eventually Odenabo is going to overtake him in snaps. But you kind of have that bridge that's coming at a discount. Um, but there's also some just like efficient competition guys that are coming out. I uh, really like Shaq Lawson coming out of Buffalo. I think he'll come at an efficient price. And a lot of these guys are coming for like their second contract, I think of them a little bit as like Linval Joseph signings. You know, when they first got Linval Joseph in 2014, he was somebody that was coming off of his rookie contract in New York. They also had Snacks Harrison, so they felt uh, good letting him go, or they might have cut him for cap space. I don't actually remember, but he was like 26, right? He was in his prime, and they managed to get him at a good price, and they got like really efficient play out of Linval Joseph for quite a while until they had to extend him to a bigger contract, but even that was like palatable. And I, I think you can like chase a similar thing with like Carl Nassib who kind of had a renaissance in Tampa Bay he had a really good year or Manuel Ogba who had a really good year as a rotational guy in Kansas City but was buried behind like Frank Clark and uh you know the guys over there that defensive line was incredible and so Ogba didn't quite get the run that you wish he got and here I think he would be able to you know I I think that would mean that he's a little bit under the radar and that would like deflate his price a little bit you could get a deal on him I also think uh in a similar way Demontre Moore and Ronald Blair two guys coming out of San Francisco who were again buried behind this like elite defensive line who might have been another starting quality player that just couldn't get snaps because like Nick Bosa's over there and Eric Armstead was over there in a world of the Vikings 
being so capstrapped, this is the kind of thing you have to look for. You kind of have to hope that you figured out someone else's secret. And, you know, San Francisco has to let a bunch of defensive linemen go because, you know, all their contracts are expiring and stuff. And hopefully, you know, you can get the guy that they didn't know what they had in him. The Vikings like to be on the right end of that sort of, of transaction. As you can kind of tell, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other guys that I'm not going to go over here, but as you can kind of tell, there's a lot of different options at edge rusher, and depending on what kind of thing you want to do, there's, like, options out there. If you want to go take a swing at a home run guy, there's, like, seven of them that I mentioned. If you want to go get an old veteran that's only discounted because they're old but might have a little something left in the tank, and, you know, you're just kind of looking for a short-term Band-Aid to help you bring a Fadio Denebo along or go draft somebody else, then there are lots of options for that. Or if you want to bring somebody in and you're kind of going to take a, a, a shot at a lottery ticket here and see if you can't get somebody for cheap that's going to way outplay their contract, which is also very Vikings-y. They love to do that in free agency and kind of wait for that second wave and hope they can get somebody for $4 million that plays way better than that. Then you can also attempt to go and do that. There are options here at Ed Rusher, and it gets even more open at defensive tackle, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit here. So moving on, I should probably talk, of course, about the defensive tackles, right? Since I advocated cutting both of the Vikings starters, and they'll probably, if they do that, right, they would need to bring in at least one veteran and then hope that somebody falls to them in the draft. But the Vikings might more realistically only cut one of those starters if they cut uh, Linval Joseph to save all of that cap space, then they would probably need to bring in some kind of veteran. You can't just fix the whole gaping hole that is that interior of the defensive line with just draft picks, right? Now, they don't really have anybody worth talking about except for Linval Joseph, who might be kind of hitting that that age point where he's not as effective as he used to be. Kind of funny that Michael Bennett also uh, fills this hole, and that's part of why I would like his signing so much, because he kind of, like, whether or not you get Everson Griffin back or uh, keep Linval Joseph, if you just lose one or the other, then Michael Bennett can kind of fill either one, and whatever happens in the draft, if you lose both, you know, you can get Michael Bennett and then have a little bit more flexibility in the draft, kind of like how, you know, if you have somebody like Riley Reeve on the offensive line, who, I'm getting the episode, by the way, I've had it prepped forever, and I'm sorry, I keep pushing it back, um, but that you know, if you have Riley Reeve, who could technically play guard or play tackle, it lets you go into the draft, you know, being open to a guard or a tackle, and it leaves your options open so that the board has a better chance of falling in a good way for you. Um, but there is, similarly to edge rusher, there's a lot of defensive tackles who just, like, are way out of the Vikings league. They're not going to be in the market for Chris Jones, as much as I would love for them to be. That would be super cool. That's just too expensive, and they've got way too many other cap responsibilities that they're going to prioritize over bringing in somebody that's never been a part of their defensive plan. Uh, I think also in this, in, in that uh, category are guys like Ndamukong Su, who is still very expensive, even though he's also so kind of in that old but discounted uh, category that you would find somebody like, you know, Adrian Claiborne in the uh, the edge rusher market. Um, I think Gerald McCoy falls in this category too, where they're just a little bit too rich for our blood. Jav- uh, Javon Hargrave, at least uh, according to Over the Cap, is going to get too big a contract. DJ Reader is in this as well. And also Leonard Williams, who might not even hit the market. He might get tagged by the Giants. 
Um, but I, I think there's still plenty of good and interesting budget options. Uh, Jaron Reed is fascinating to me because he can play both uh, one technique and three technique, and that's really great. Having, you know, pairing that with somebody like Shamar Stefan if the Vikings keep him is really uh, up Mike Zimmer's alley. It's something that he really likes to do is have people who can kind of play multiple positions so that you can move them around and design weird blitz packages and stuff. And I think Dom Capers makes that even more important. Um, I, I think that you can do something similar with a guy like Mike Daniels, who also would be coming off of kind of a down year in Detroit, and he's a little bit older, and he might be hitting that age thing, but he might be discounted as opposed to Linval Joseph, who's dealing with the same thing, but costs you, you know, $10 million of, of cuttable cap. Coming out of Baltimore, also kind of in that same, like, he is probably better than he played in 2019, he's coming off a down year, and you can kind of buy low if you want to think of it as, like, a stock, is Michael Pierce uh, from from the Ravens. That is a, another interesting uh, option that, again, would kind of come at that, that discount that might not actually play out on the field, and that's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for a reason for somebody to cost less that actually won't play out on the field. There are a few uh, uh, pretty efficient options that I I really like. Um, I really like Malik Collins, who's coming out of uh, Dallas. It's also um, Marcel Darius is somebody that is coming off of a down year. He might be shot. I'm a little bit less excited about that. Um, I like the idea of bringing in Andrew Billings to compete, and then you'd probably have to draft somebody, but I like the idea of, like, if you're going to keep Shamar Stefan, bring in Andrew Billings to kind of compete at the nose tackle, draft a three technique, and I'm okay with that defensive tackle room alongside uh, Armin Watts. I mentioned Malik Collins, who uh, had a pretty good year in Dallas, I thought, and he might be, you know, one of those kind of secret guys that's just buried underneath all of these crazy names like Sue and McCoy and Chris Jones. Uh, And I really like Derek Wolf from Denver. He would be a really, would come at a really efficient price, and it doesn't really have anything to do with how he played. I always thought he was like a really good player over there in, in Denver, but if his contract does expire and they do let him go, then, you know, you could see him just get buried underneath all of these other big contracts, and everybody who's looking to, to shell out big money and get in a big old bidding war is going to be bidding over guys that are, you know, seven or eight spots above Derek Wolf on, on the priority list. I think Danny Shelton is somebody who is a little under a lot of Sashi Brown picks in this that are like hitting free agency and might end up being like efficient deals. Kind of fun. Um, but I, I think Danny Shelton, he plays a more like traditional nose tackle role, and that might not be what the Vikings are looking for. I think they're going to be looking for somebody more like Jared, Jaron Reed, uh, if they can afford him or somebody of a similar style that can kind of play multiple positions along the defensive line. You know, of course they value that versatility. Um, but ultimately there's like this, especially with the defensive tackle market to a lesser degree with the edge rusher market, there's just this big surplus coming into the free agency market right now. We'll see how many of these guys get re-signed. Of course, the combine's going on right now. So a a lot of these, uh, negotiations are kind of going on in back channels between drills and stuff. And so we'll see more of this news come out and, you know, some of these names might get clicked off the list before the tampering period even begins. But it just looks like there's a lot of players 
who are going to be available, who are going to take up all the big contracts. You know, there are only so many teams looking to spend a big amount of money on a defensive tackle, and they're going to fight over Chris Jones and Javon Hargrave and maybe Leonard Williams. And so by the time you get down to Mike Daniels and Malik Collins and Derek Wolf, a lot of the big money will already be spent, and the Vikings will be able to operate in a much more efficient, like, salary cap environment. And I know that their salary cap situation is really strained, but you don't necessarily get out of that without having some efficient contracts. If you can nail one of these guys, I mean, if you can say, pick up Ronald Blair, and maybe Ronald Blair is somebody who is, you know, way better than his contract would suggest, and maybe he was just buried underneath a bunch of San Francisco 49ers, and, you know, give him some space to breathe, and he totally thrives, and he's like this breakout superstar, and you got him for really, really cheap. That's the kind of thing that allows you to then shed other expensive stuff elsewhere because you're getting an efficient contract here and, and you know, or to uh, support more expensive contracts because you're not spending so much on the edge rusher even though you're getting good production out of him. And that's, you know, kind of similar to, to getting production out of somebody on a rookie contract. If you can get somebody on an efficient free agent contract and get production out of them, it allows you to build elsewhere and kind of dig yourself out of the cap hole that they're in right now from just by virtue of having too many veteran players that are good and worth keeping. And I think with the defensive line, you can do that. If you have a budget of four or five million dollars to spend, I don't think you need to pick up both an edge rusher and a defensive tackle on the free agent market, but I do think it would be irresponsible to go into the draft with gaping holes at both positions. Positions. And I know that's really difficult to balance with all the other stuff that was going on. You know, in my original salary cap plan, I had uh, planned to spend like $5 million on on Everson Griffin. And that was just kind of a guess on like what the, the reduced cost would be if he had him take a pay cut. That was before he voided his contract and uh, before it was, you know, confirmed that he was going to go hit the free agent market. But I mean, if you're going to spend $5 million on an edge rusher, maybe you want it to be somebody else maybe go give $5 million to Michael Bennett, which is more than he made in the last uh, few years. So you probably don't have to spend all that $5 million, but you you get what I mean. You know, maybe go spend the money you were going to give to a, a lessened Everson Griffin contract and give it to somebody who is a little bit younger and a little bit fresher. Or if you are going to give it to a veteran, a veteran with maybe a little more versatility, or maybe you do just go back and get Everson Griffin and bring back Linval Joseph and totally run it back. I certainly wouldn't hate it. But there's definitely a lot of options. If you can find the money to spend, there are going to be guys to spend it on. And it's just the first part that, of course, is the biggest challenge. And that's what we've talked about a ton on this show. But that is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Vikings. I hope that this opened your eyes to a a couple of names uh, that are going to be worth watching here when the free agency flurry kicks up. I definitely found a few that I would genuinely be excited about in the event that, you know, you lose the guys that have been in the job for forever. So I will see you all tomorrow. Again, I'll I'll update you all if, if there's any combine news or any leaks that come out of the hotel bars in Indianapolis. Until then, in the meantime, uh, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL, shows on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. The show's available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or just ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I'll see y'all tomorrow, and as always, skull. Hey sports fans, my name's Ben Beacon, I'm the host of Locked on Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked on NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday.
I'm Ben Beacon with Locked on Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.